upset or depressed lately? Well, if so, I've got something that'll cure what ails you. That's right. It's time for Volumes of Fear. Presented by Crimson Knight Productions. This is Volumes of Fear, a horror comedy narrative podcast. And here is your host and raconteur, Piedmont Montgomery. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to Volumes of Fear, the greatest podcast of all time. We're coming to you live from Reading Room 3 of the Eastridge Public Library. And tonight, we truly have a saga of scares for you. Our story this time around is all about a small eatery attempting to keep bellies full and patrons happy. However, the mission of this small restaurant is jeopardized when a ghostly apparition appears to the staff. Tonight's fear-filled story is called, There Be a Banshee in the Pantry. Darby O'Grills was a restaurant that specialized in Irish cuisine. It was located in Eastridge and was famous for its corned beef sandwiches. It was also where Rick Jacobs had begun working the week prior. Food service was a vastly different line of work compared to Rick's previous career in public relations. But he was trying in earnest to make the best of it. However, when working the front counter, Rick often found himself short on patience with the customers of Darby O'Grills. Hello, sir. Welcome to Darby O'Grills. My name is Rick. What can I get you today? Um, do you have those corned beef sandwiches? The good ones everyone talks about? Yes, sir. Huh. Would you like a corned beef sandwich? Y- yeah, I guess. Everything on it? I suppose so. Okay. One corned beef sandwich. Will that complete your order? I don't know, man. Would you like any sides or a drink? I guess. All right. What would you like? I guess a side of Irish potatoes. What size? I guess the big one. (sighs) Large side of Irish potatoes. Would you like a drink? No, but I want my food to go. That order's to go. Okay, your total is $7.36. Here's all the money, I guess. be right up. Okay. Rick's patience had been tested by the patron's lackadaisical attitude when ordering. But now, Rick's patience was being tested as the patron simply stood in front of the counter, staring at Rick. Your food will be right up, sir. I know. You you said that. Would you mind standing over to the side a little? Why? Just, uh, just in case another customer comes in. I'll move if that happens. Right. Then, not a moment too soon, Rick's co-worker Pam exited the back kitchen area with the customer's order. I've got a corned beef sandwich with a side of potatoes. That's mine. Enjoy. Huh. I guess. Yeesh. Work on the front counter requires some patience, huh? You'll get used to it, Rick. After you work in the food service industry for a while, you sort of go numb to everything. Well, I got that to look forward to. Hang in there, Slim. You've only been here a week. If you're already dogging it, you're not going to last. I know, Pam. I'm trying. What did you say you did before this? 
I was a director of public relations for a major township. And you quit that to come work at a small Irish restaurant in Eastridge? No, I was fired. Got caught sleeping on the job one too many times. Yep, that'll do it. Whatever. I hated that place anyway. Sad thing is, I make better money working here. Well, that dose of financial reality usually hits when you leave the communications field for any other line of work. True that, Pam. Rick, my boy, can you please come back to the kitchen for a minute? Well, I've been summoned. Good luck. Rick made his way to the kitchen, where he found the owner of Darby Grills, a feisty little Irishman named Sean McGillicuddy. Hey, Sean. Hello there, lad. How are you getting on today? Oh, just fine, Sean. Good to hear. Now, can you fetch me some more potatoes from the pantry? I need about three decent-looking spuds. I do it myself, but I'm watching this pot, and the water is about to boil. Yeah, no problem. Actually, where is the pantry? Look over there, lad. See that door with the sign that says pantry? Open that door, and with the luck of the Irish, you'll surely be there. Oh, right. Rick walked to the pantry door and opened it. He flipped on the light and entered the room. It was about the size of a large walk-in closet. Rick saw a large pile of potatoes on the ground and grabbed the requested allotment. With his business done, Rick was about to exit the pantry when he heard what sounded like a groan coming from the large pile of potatoes. What was that? Not knowing what to make of the noise, Rick took a step closer to the pile of potatoes to investigate. Let me take a look here. But before Rick could satiate his curiosity, Sean called out to him. Rick, me boy, I need those potatoes. Uh, coming. Rick shrugged off the noise, exited the pantry, and took the potatoes to Sean. Hurry, lad. The water is almost a-boiling. Here you go. Grand, grand. Oh, hey, uh, just a heads up. You may want to wash those. They were in a pile on the floor. Perhaps, lad, perhaps. I actually noticed the big pile of potatoes on the floor yesterday. I was in there, and it looked like one of the shelves gave way and created a fine mess of spuds it did. I probably shouldn't have put all those sacks of potatoes on such flimsy shelves. I meant to clean it up, but I just didn't. How about you be a good lad and clean that up later this eve, eh? Sure, no problem. Oh, by the way, I've got a meeting tonight with a special lady. So while I'm out, Bart will be running things in me absence. Give him a hand if he be needing it, eh? Yeah, I... Good lad. I never knew there was a pantry here. Ah, well, most restaurants have a fine walk-in pantry like ours. In fact, that was one of the first things me brother Seamus and I did upon acquiring this place. We made a proper pantry. It actually used to be a water closet. Oh, interesting. It's a good way to reuse space. Aye, tis. We thought, what better place to store non-perishables than in a hastily non-union renovated water closet? very ambitious that you and your brother did that. Aye. Seamus and I were a fine team. Tis a shame, though. What's that? Seamus, me brother, disappeared not long ago. Haven't seen him in many a day, I haven't. But you're here now, lad, and you've been a fine help to us. A fine help. Well, I just want to be a part of the team. Indeed, lad. Indeed. Sean finished up his task and soon departed while Rick returned to the front counter to see if Pam needed any help. How's it going up here, Pam? Need any help? Not really. It's pretty dead in here tonight. What did Sean need? Oh, uh, he just needed me to get some potatoes out of the pantry. I never knew there was a pantry here. Did Sean leave for his date? Is that what it is? He just said it was a meeting. Yeah, a special meeting with a lady of the night. A what? Uh, nothing. Hey, is Bart here? Yeah, I think I saw him come in. 
Bart's a nice guy. Talks weird, doesn't he? Yeah, he uh he gives that certain vibe a la serial killer. He likes his fancy talk. Definitely. Hey, uh, out of curiosity, how does Sean make the corned beef that he uses on his sandwiches so good? What do you mean? It's so tasty and flavorful. What's the secret? Is it the seasoning he uses? Type of meat? Oh, I'm not sure. Family secret or something like that. You know, it's actually pretty quiet out here right now. Why don't you go and see if Bart needs anything? No problem. Rick returned to the kitchen and found Bart, the cook whom Sean put in charge while he was to be away. Hey, Bart. Hello, Rick. How does this day find you? Good. You? I'm super. Thank you so much for inquiring. No problem. It's sort of slow out front, so Pam sent me to ask you if you needed me to do anything. Hmm. Well, it's actually rather slow back here as well. I appreciate your offer, though. That was sweet of you. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what. Sean had said something to me about cleaning a pile of potatoes in the pantry. How about I do that? That'd be noteworthy. Good initiative, Rick. Do you know where the pantry is located? Over there, behind the door with the sign on it that says pantry. Oh my, I'm such a goose. Of course you could figure it out. I thought maybe you would need directional aid. Right. I'll go and clean up the mess now. That sounds splendid. And you know where the pantry is at, don't you? Yeah, I do, Mr. Gacy. Rick slowly stepped away from Bart, like an animal slowly moving away from the gaze of a leering predator. He walked over to the pantry, opened the door, turned on the light, and stopped dead in his tracks. What in the world? Standing before Rick, floating in the air, was an apparition, a specter, a ghost. It wore a long, raggedy robe, which had a hood that hid its face. It had no legs, but very long arms with pointy fingers that had sharp nails at their ends. The ghostly being was transparent, and Rick could see the pile of potatoes on the floor through the specter's body. Yet it also gave off an ominous, eerie glow. Rick tried to speak, but his sentence came out only in fragments as the terror took hold. What is this? What is happening? Rick tried to understand what he was seeing. Suddenly, the ghostly being moved closer to him. Its hood came off, and it let out a deathly moan. Rick, terrified and scared out of his wits, backed out of the pantry as fast as he could and slammed the door to the pantry. Rick breathed heavy and collected his senses as best he could. He was still in disbelief as he approached Bart, wanting to tell him what he had just seen. Hey there, Rick. Did you get an owie? What? I heard a high-pitched squawk. I thought maybe you hurt yourself in the pantry and let out a little yawp. Did a can of preserves fall on your toesies? I didn't hurt myself. Is everything okay, Rick? You look like you've seen a ghost. I did. I actually just did, Bart. I saw a ghost. Rick, it isn't April yet, and I'm no fool. So an April Fool's anecdote won't work on me. Bart, no. Listen to me. I just saw a ghost in the pantry. The conviction you use in your tone suggests that you're telling the truth, but I remain a doubting Thomas. Bart! Ah, Stop talking weird and just listen to me. I just went in there to clean up the mess of spuds or potatoes or whatever it was that Sean asked me to clean. I opened the door and there was a ghost. I'm serious. Okay, Rick. I'll be game to your monkey shine. 
I'll go and see this ghost. Bart headed for the pantry. He looked back at Rick, still not fully believing. He then opened the pantry door. What? Quick as a dinosaur running from an asteroid, Bart ran back to where Rick was standing. Ah, see? There's a ghost. You were not jesting, Rick. There's a ghost in our pantry. What are we to do? Let's think about this scientifically. I think we need a third opinion to verify everything. So, let's ask Pam to go in there and see if she sees anything. Okay. I'll contact her via the intercom communications device. There's no time for that, Flea. Hey, Pam! Not a second later, Pam came back into the kitchen to find both Bart and Rick, white as sheets. What's up with you two? Would you see a ghost or something? Actually, Pam, we... No! Paminator, go into the pantry. What? Why? Just do it. Who are you to tell me what to do? Pam, Rick is earnest in his request. Perhaps a better phrasing would be more apropos. Pam... Would you? Gah! Can it, schoolboy? I'm going. But when I get back, you'd better have a good reason for talking to me like this. Pam stormed off for the pantry. She opened the door and saw the ghostly apparition that Rick and Bart had seen. She slammed the door and quickly ran back to Rick and Bart in the kitchen. She, too, was white as a ghost. Okay, what was that? It's a ghost. A ghost? Come on. What are you guys trying to pull? That was like a trick of the lighting, right? Nope. No tricks, Pam. Rick is sincere, Pam. It is not some sort of leg pulling or larking. Bart, you talk so weird. Okay, say it's real. So what are the next steps? What do we do? Do we maybe just try and work around it? I'm not going back into some little room like that if there's a ghost. I'm afraid I find a certain inner resistance to going back in there as well. Well, do you need anything from the pantry in the meantime? I am running low on potatoes. And the potatoes are all in there, in a huge pile, on the floor, behind the ghost. This is a true quandary. Suddenly, the door to the kitchen swung open, and Sean walked in. What in the name of St. Patrick is going on here? Why is no one watching the counter? What are you all doing here, standing about like a bunch of English fancy boys? Sean, there's a... an otherworldly specter in the pantry. What say ye? There's a ghost in the pantry, Sean. A ghost? Oh, come on now. Me lady friend pulls the old, I have another obligation tonight, routine on me, and now I find me staff standing around saying there be a ghost in the pantry. This night be cursed, I say. It's not a joke, Sean. We all saw it. A ghost? In the pantry? All right, fine. I'll have us a look. And when I find nothing, I come back here, and I'll give you all a good lashing with me shillelagh, I will. Sean walked over to the pantry just like Rick, Bart, and Pam had before. He opened the door and bore witness as well to the ghost. And just like Rick, Bart, and Pam had done before, Sean slammed the door shut and scurried back to be among his employees. See? A ghost. Now do you believe us? Aye, boyo, I do. I know two things. One, I just made the pantry back into a water closet I did. And two, that isn't an ordinary ghost. That be the Banshee. The what? The Banshee. It heralds someone's death, it does. And it seems there be a Banshee in the pantry. Clever wordplay. I'm confused. What's the difference between a ghost and a Banshee? Well, Rick, a Banshee is a type of female ghost, or spirit, or specter, or apparition, that moans and wails. It appears to warn people that death will befall someone soon. In some cases, though, 
it could mean that someone has just met their demise. I, the weird talker speaks the truth. So what does this mean? Does this mean one of us is going to die or... Bart, I'm looking at you. I don't want to perish. No, not that. You seem to be an expert on this thing. Can we communicate with it? You know, to find out if it's warning us of a pending death or if someone's already died. I'm afraid that I'd be a bit timorous to give an answer, as I possess a cornucopia of uncertainty at this moment. Alright, you know what? You meatballs are acting like a bunch of light-in-the-hand leprechauns. I say we march in there and ask this banshee what it's trying to communicate. Aye, sounds like a plan it does, lass. Now lead the way. What? You did concoct the proposition. Huh? Bart is saying that since it was your plan, you should lead the way. Oh, no. No, I'm an idea person. You know, big picture sort of stuff. Sean, you should do it. It's your restaurant. Oh, don't look at me. I got nothing. I sold me knickers I did a bon in the banshee. It'll just happen again somehow. If this mare's nest requires decisive and definite action, then I shall volunteer myself to lead the efforts in regard to investigation and inquiry. I'll do it, but you're all coming in with me. I? I. I. Agreed. Rick swallowed hard and began walking toward the pantry. Sean, Pam, and Bart slowly followed him. They reached the door. Rick took a deep breath and then opened the door. The banshee was still present, glowing ominously and floating several feet in the air. Hi, Mr. Banshee? Miss. My bad. Hi, Miss Banshee. On behalf of the staff here at Darby O'Grills, and of the greater East Ridge community, I was curious who's going to die. Aye, no answer. This can't be good. Maybe we should leave. Why, you scared, Bart? Sorta. I just made some contributions to making this back into a water closet. She just moaned again. What's that supposed to mean? I don't know. Does she ever talk normally or coherently? I'm not sure, lass. The only other time I saw a banshee was when me tanta died. And even then, I only saw the banshee at a distance. Wait, let me try to ask her if someone has already died. Uh, excuse me, Miss Banshee. Has someone died that one of us knows? The banshee let out another moan. And then, in a split second, she disappeared before their very eyes. She just disappeared! Aye, she did indeed. So that's it. Someone has died that we know. But who? And where would the location of the recently deceased be? You know something? Call me crazy, but earlier today, when I was in here, I heard a groan from over by that pile of potatoes. Boyle, what do you mean a groan? It sounded like someone was in pain. Like a melody of anguish? Um, yeah, you know, like someone was in pain. Over by the potato pile? Aye, enough of this blabber. I'm having me a look-see. And with the feistiness of the Irish nation, Sean marched over to the pile of potatoes on the floor and began sifting through it. It took him only a few seconds of potato sifting to reveal a body was underneath the pile of potatoes. Take a gander at this, would ya? It's a body! A human body was buried underneath the potatoes. Indeed, it was a body. Sean and Rick began to clear the potatoes away and pull the body away from the mess. Sean rolled the body over and was taken aback when he saw whose body it was. Well, I'll be kissing the Blarney Stone, I will. Who is this, Sean? It be me brother, Seamus. The same brother who you said used to run this restaurant with you, but then disappeared? Aye, tis him. 
What's he doing here? It looks like Seamus was in here getting something, and the shelf with all the potatoes gave way. He must have been under it and was then crushed by all the sacks of potatoes on that shelf. But we must inquire, why was he in here? I think I know why. I never told any of ye. There be a safe hidden here in the floor under the potato shelves. Tis where we kept all the extra cash profits we made. And he was making a deposit into the safe? I'll be a leprechaun's booger. Looky here. Sean found next to Seamus's body a hefty burlap sack with a dollar sign on it. What is that? Tis a bag for carrying money it is. It's got the dollar sign and all. Was he stealing from the restaurant? Looks that way. Oh, the filthy rat. He was trying to steal from his own brother. And in the process, he was crushed to death by all these potatoes. And the groan I heard earlier was Seamus. The banshee was warning us that death was coming. For your brother. That groan must have been his dying breath. He probably bled to death internally over the course of a day or so. I can't believe he was meaning to steal from me. Well, we gotta call the cops. Why? To report this. We gotta tell someone. No, lad. We don't. What? What are you talking about? We gotta tell someone. We gotta get this body out of here and fill out police reports. Not necessarily. What? What are you saying? Body's still fresh it is. Been dead only a few hours now. No spoilage here. Bart, be a good lad. Grab your knives. I think it'd be time to teach Rick where we get the meat we use for our famous corned beef sandwiches. And like that, not only was the mystery of the Banshee solved, but Darby O'Grills was able to replenish their corned beef supply for another few weeks. Only on Volumes of Fear can you find stories full of such shock and dread. Well, I suppose you could find stories like this elsewhere. However, they just wouldn't be nearly as good. Isn't that right, Winston? You bet, Mr. Piedmont! Winston, my dear boy, so learned and wise, I turn to you for your critique of the story we just heard. Hmm, well, let's see here. It was terrifying, alarming, and disturbing. Indeed, it truly was. Yeah, and I was only talking about the part where they were using potatoes that had fallen on the floor for their cooking. That's seriously unsanitary. That goes without saying. Whether it's a banshee or poor sanitation, stories pertaining to kitchens and the elements that make them scary can be truly terrifying. Listeners, I do believe this is all the time we have for you this week on Volumes of Fear. We would like to thank Crimson Knight Productions for their help in producing the episode you just witnessed. For Volumes of Fear, I'm Piedmont Montgomery. Find us and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and the Twitter. Don't be afraid to like the lunacy. And as always, please share the scare. This episode of Volumes of Fear featured the acting talents of Christopher Speedus, Rachel Collins, J.C. Rositas, Andy Collins, and Derek DeBoer. It was produced by Andy Collins and J.C. Rositas from a script by Andy Collins. Sound mixing and engineering was done by J.C. Rositas with artwork by Derek DeBoer. Musical tracks by Kevin McCloyd of Incompetech.com were used as a part of this episode's score. This episode of Volumes of Fear was presented by Crimson Knight Productions. Visit them online at cnproductions.net. 
follow Volumes of Fear on Facebook or suffer the horrible consequences.